talk about Palm Sunday. And I have water this time. Last time I, was, I spoke, I was so dry. I was like, oh, I can't get any moisture in my mouth. So now I have water, so good. Since it's Palm Sunday, um, in, during Palm Sunday, I have a picture in my head. And I guess you guys have a picture in your head, too. So if you close your eyes just for a second, just for a few seconds, close your eyes real quick. And you close your eyes, and when I say Palm Sunday, what is the first thing or per- first image that comes to your mind? Now picture it, hold it there, the first image. Okay, you can open your eyes now. What image is that? What do you guys see? Just, just shout it out. Palm trees, you see Jesus. Donkey, I hear donkey. And that's exactly what I picture too. I see Jesus riding on a donkey, going down to Jerusalem, and people laying palm fronds before him, and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And for some people who don't know what Hosanna is, Hosanna means save us, rescue us. And then they shout these things. My first thought when I hear that and I picture that, I think, Jesus, why a donkey? Of all the things you could have rode on, knowing that you were Lord, knowing that you were you are the king of kings and the lord of lords. Why a donkey? For goodness sakes, right? He could, have, he could have rode in on a stallion, right? He could have been like Alexander the Great years before and rode in on elephants, right? That would have been pretty cool, right? Or for you Game of Thrones people, he could have rode in on a dragon, right? That would have been pretty cool too. But no, he chooses a donkey of all things. And why? It's to show his humility, it's to show his humility of all things, right? He comes on on a donkey. Back in the days, this was not uncommon for conquering kings who came in on donkeys because it was a symbol of peace at the time. Like if you came on a war horse or you came on an elephant, you're asking for war. You're asking for violence and aggression. That's what you come in. That's what you'll get. But the conquering king comes in. He comes in on a donkey, it's as simple as, hey, guys, peace. I come in on a donkey. Relax. This is, this, is, this is the picture that we have. Later on, I, the, the sad picture that comes immediately after that is the realization that the same people who are throwing down palm fronds and raising their voices and singing Hosanna are the same people who turn their backs on him and say, crucify him, crucify him crucify him. And that makes me sad. And it should. Let's pray. Father, help us remember this time, Palm Sunday. Uh, Help us remember this week that Jesus came on earth as a man, as a baby, sacrificed himself for us. We pray, Father, that, he had this, that God had this ultimate plan of sending his son to fight the final battle over death. This greatness is why we celebrate, because Christ's ultimate sacrifice set us free from death. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me, will, will he never die? Help us to be grateful. Help us to be thankful. Help us to know that the enemy is there who tries to throw it our every effort to share the gospel with others. That we might be distracted by different things here and there, but help us to focus on you this week. 
this holy week. Don't let the evil one win by being distracted by, by other things. Sure, let's fellowship, let's hang out with people, enjoy each other's company. But help us to also focus on Jesus Christ this week. Help us to worship him and give him thanks for his great gift of sacrifice. Let us give thanks. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage today comes from Philippians. Not Philippians, not the Filipinos. I always thought when I was a kid that it said the Philippines. And I was like, yeah, peace on. If you don't know, my name is Rick Zuniga, and I am Filipino, working at a Chinese church. I've been here for, since I was 12 years old, and to give away my date, my birth uh, age is 44. So I've been here since I was 12, so I've been here around a long time, and many familiar faces and a lot of new faces here. But I always thought this meant the Filipinos, <laughs> that the Filipinos wrote this great, great book, that Paul traveled the ocean and ended up in the Philippines, and, you know, he wrote it to these people, right? I was like, and then... I went to Sunday school. I think uh, David Tan was my teacher. And he said, that's not right. <laughs> it's, the Philippi- it's Philippines. The Philippians from the city of Philippi. <laughs> See, I haven't really learned that lesson. Now, Paul is the one who writes these things. It's, a, it's in this letter, this epistle. Uh, you, you, my, the epistle means just a formal fancy word for uh, letter to the church of Philippi, which is this Roman colony that's located currently in the country of Greece. And we know that Paul is the writer, of course, and he is held captive, again, the prison epistles, uh, in Rome. And he writes this to his beloved Philippi. So as you turn your page to this passage, um, we have to, before we go to this passage, so let's, yeah, I have the cooker. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we, we begin here is that he has this, this clause here. It says, if. So if there is any encouragement. So we have to go back and we have to look at this passage in verse 27 where he talks about in chapter 1, verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come to see you or whether I'm absent, I may hear from you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So he, he writes this. And so that is this. If you, have the, if you have the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life, this applies to you. Now, when he writes this if, he's not saying, you know, I don't know if you guys are doing this or if you have this or not, whatnot. He actually knows Philippi. He planted this church many years ago, right? And so he, when he says this if, it's kind of a rhetorical question. He's actually asking rhetorical questions. He knows for sure that these Philipp, uh, the Philippians have encouragement in Christ, have comfort and love, have participation in the Spirit, have affection and sympathy. He knows it. But what he does right now is that he's asking them to do a self-check or self-spiritual, spiritual, uh, what do you call it, uh, reality check, spiritual reality check. Check yourself. Do you receive these things? Are you thankful for the things you receive through your faith in the gospel and the faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have them? Right? Many times, have, I'm sure, has anybody suffered here in this room? 
Has anybody felt sadness in this room? Has anybody felt anger towards somebody in this room? Has anybody felt lonely here in this room? I would imagine most of you have. And most of you have received love, tenderness, compassion from Jesus, or in the form of brothers and sisters who care about you. We want to continue to be praying for Melody. Um, Melody is one of our, our staff persons, and she lost her mother recently. And so we need to be praying for her. And I, as soon as I heard that, I, I got down on my knees and I prayed for her. Because I knew how when, our, when we lost our family, uh, our father-in-law, that I was so stricken with sadness. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So we prayed. Right? When I was sick myself about a year and some months ago, I was sitting in the hospital, like couldn't move, pretty much in traction. And, and it was during Christmas time of all times. And people came to me and visited me, brought me food and chocolates and cookies I shouldn't be eating and things like that. And they, and they sang songs to me, Christmas carols to me. And even a good friend of mine came to me on Christmas Day and came and watched anime with me on that day. I felt this, and so have you. And, it's, and basically what Paul is asking us to do a self-check and then be thankful for these things. So if you have, so if you have witnessed any of these things, love, oops, oops, okay, you're not supposed to see this. Hello? Oh, technology. <laughs> Go back one more. All right. Does this work? Okay. So if you have any of these things, then make my joy complete, or complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in fullness of accord in mind. Why does he say that? Why does he say this? Because Paul knows this church, and the church knows Paul. We know that the church was worried for him. He was in jail. He was in Rome. He, didn't, he, was, he was set to, for execution, but they didn't this time. But people didn't know. So they sent this guy named Epaphrodites, this guy from Philippi, a representative to bring financial gifts and, and help whenever he needed, maybe a scribe to write it on his notes and things like that. So they sent a man, an emissary, a, an apostle, and sent it to Paul in prison, right, to, to, to help him out in any, any way he could, right? Bringing news and bringing different kinds of things. So he knows the church, and the church knows him. This Aphrodite's guys, Aphrodite's, uh, um, was a brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier who came and helped him out. So this would bring joy. And, and what's the joy talking about here? And why is it talking about sameness and same that and same this? We'll, we'll know more in, in the next passage. But to bring joy. And then we talked about earlier, what gives us joy? Knowing that your brothers and sisters have, have their faith in God grow. Vibrant. Love for Jesus. That, gives, that should give Paul joy and make his joy complete. And with the same with us, 
How better still is if I hear from you and you hear from me about God working in your life, the testimony of yours. How was your week? Oh, God met me here. God worked this miracle in my life. God calmed me down when I was nervous. What a joy it is when, when, oh, I shared the gospel with somebody this week and they accepted Jesus Christ for the first time. Wow. This is the joy he's talking about here. Hearing the message, hearing from Aphrodite, I said it right earlier, um, but hearing this brought complete joy to Paul about his beloved friends in Philippi, the church they planted earlier. Okay, next slide. And so there's some things we learn. Uh, point one, if you can get to that. Oh, technology. All right. So I have my points here, and I'll just read it to you until then. So point one. Have a personal self-check of your spiritual life, a spiritual reality check every once in a while, just to know that God is in your life, that you're receiving these great blessings from one another. Are you receiving the full blessing of God? Okay, there's, there's none? Okay. Okay, here we go. So, are you receiving the full blessings of God? Because you have to ask yourself, for some of the people here, I'm not really receiving God I'm not really feeling one with the Spirit. I'm not receiving this tenderness. I'm not receiving any compassion from anybody. I don't feel the love of God at any point. Then I have to ask the question, why not? Are you, are you sitting at home in depressed? You lost a loved one or you broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. You lost your job and you're, and you're in such a place that, that God is hard to receive or to know. Then I have to ask the question. Um, they have to ask a question. Are you receiving the full blessing? And, and I'm going to be harsh a little bit here right now, so forgive me in advance. Are you going to Sunday school in the morning? How many of you are going to Sunday school in the morning? 9.30, it's kind of hard. A lot of us have families. Some of us have to work the day before. How many of us are going to worship service? How many of us are going to community groups or, or uh, community small groups, fellowship groups? How many of us are going to, and this is a stretch for many of us, how many of us are going to prayer meeting? Either on a Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, or for some, once a month, frontline prayer meetings. On top of your own prayer life and scripture reading during the week, how many of you do those things? So the hard question is, are you receiving these things? You should be. Church and the church community, the church life is a, is a good reminder of who we are as Christians. If ever time, sometimes the world gets confusing, sometimes the world gets too busy, and sometimes I forget, I'm actually, I'm not a business person, I'm not the teacher, I'm not this person, I'm not that person. Actually, I'm a Christian first and foremost. And this is a good time to remember that. At these places, at these things, during these times. One-on-one -on -one encounters, discipleship meetings, things like that. 
Next slide, please. In the next passage we have, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. There, why, is he, why does he go to this immediately? Why does he, why does he go to this? He, he's asking more questions. Actually, not more questions. He's actually giving a command. So this is actually a command. The ones before that were questions. This is command. Why? What, what did it come out of? It actually comes in, in chapter 4, verse 2. There's two women who are having an encounter. And it's probably not just these two women that are having an encounter, but many others, people that are dividing within the church, that are fighting amongst themselves. And so he asked the church in, first chapter, in chapter 4, verse 2, to ask the church to help them, to, to uh, use Matthew 18 to split them up, to, to settle, the thing, settle the squabbles or the quarrels or the, what they call dis, dis, disharmony. In, inward fighting inside the church. So that's why he brings this up. He hears about this. He knows that what's going on. These are friends of his as well because, again, he started the church. He knows the, the, the personnel and the people, the congregation. So do nothing out of selfish ambition. And in, in the NIV, it says vain conceit. Thinking about themselves, why themselves. Also in James chapter 4, it talks about why do people fight? It's because they don't get what they want. It's all about themselves. It's the, the evil trinity, me, myself, and I. It's those things that tear churches apart, relationships apart. Go back, continue with the passage. But in humility, and here's the, the aspect that we talked about in the beginning. Jesus coming down on a donkey, he had this humility, this aspect of his attribute that we should admire and we should, we should copy and we should be more like having this humility, putting ourselves lower, raising people up. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Do you know the opposite of conceit, the opposite of selfish ambition? It is humility. Lowering yourself. Treating others better than yourselves. Lifting other people up around you. And count them more significant than yourselves. The next, the next section here is, let each of you look not only at your own interests, but the interests of others. Paul understands that you're going to look at your own interests. You have to take care of yourself. You have to pay your own bills. You have to go to court. You have to, you know, uh, go to the hospital. You have to go to the dentist. You have to take care of the stuff that you have to take care of. But not only that, that you need to take care of other people. Have their interests the same as yours. If they, if they need help. And this is, a, this is a one way to help your brothers and sisters in church and in your community, even the non-believer, how to be a light to the nations, is to know their interests, know their needs, and to help them with it. The other day, <clears throat> the other day I was, I was sitting in a parking lot. I was, you know, going through my calendar. I was just saying what I'm doing for the day. I was at my, my son's school, and I saw a mom in the corner of my eye, and, and she was loading her car in, but I was going on with my day. 
And she was a mother, she had a, a little girl, and she also had a baby to carry, and she was just doing her own thing, and, and I didn't help her. And then the next day, I realized, well, she called me too, but the next day, I, from and that point on, I helped her. She needed my help. I got out of my car, and now she knows to knock on my door to go there. I'll look after the baby, and she brings the daughter into the school. Things like that. I saw the need, and I wanted to help. God had pulled me this humility. Now, you know, it doesn't sound like much at all. It really doesn't, but just a little bit of those things where I was doing my own thing. I was thinking about all the important things that I had to do in my life, and I realized these things, oh, yeah, they are important, but sometimes other people are more important than that, that they need help right now, and I should go. What's stopping me? Oh, because, and we, and we make up excuses many times. We're sinful people, and we make excuses all the time. But I encourage you to stop making excuses and go and help other people. Christians or not Christians, go and help them out. <laughs> I hate to admit this, and this happened just two days ago. I was at a park, and this, I'm confessing to you. I was at a park. I was playing Pokemon Go. And I was with a couple of brothers here in the church. I'm not going to name their names. And there was here, brothers of church, and there's this kid, this teenager, eight, eighth grade, his name is Brandon. He, he's like walking and talking, 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 and no one's giving him any attention, no one's speaking to him. No, he's talking, but no one's listening. No one's responding to him, no one's call, call, talking to him. And he looks directly me, me in the eye and says, hey, um, can you give me a ride to CVS? I'm like, dude, there's like 10, 15 people out here. Why did you ask me? And it's something similar to what Vicky, uh, Vicky Warren, and to also to plug Sunday School once again, Vicky Warren uh, just gave a, a wonderful uh, several-part Sunday School lesson. And she was talking about um, people in the workplace and how in the workplace there needs to be a lot of humility there. She was a leader of a great company, and you know, she had to like, you know, have humility to interact, to be a light to other people, or people would be too scared for her. Anyways... Back to this kid, he looked at me, I drove him home, and then, he, just, just a random kid, needed to go to CVS for some reason, he got into my car, a perfect stranger, he's an eighth grader, so watch out parents, perfect stranger, he doesn't know I could be an axe murderer or something like that, or killer or whatever like that, he got into my car, and I talked to him for 10, 15 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, between our, that park and the CVS. I told him I was a pastor. He's like, oh, and he started asking me all these questions. See, that, that one moment where I, I was just playing Pokemon, man. Just leave me alone. I just want to catch my Pokemon, dude. And then he comes and tasks me, looks into me in the eye and says, can you take me to, to, the, to CVS? And I'm sure he asked people, he's like, can you take me to CVS? Can you take me to CVS? But everybody he talked to started, <laughs> he just walked away from him. Don't even look at his face because if you look at him, then you feel guilty. Maybe that's why I looked at his face and I felt guilty. But you know, I said, you know what? He just, I could take, well, one thing you have to look at, I could take this guy. So if he got, I could take this guy. So, um, But we had a wonderful conversation. I told him what church I went to. Oh, yeah, I know that church. And hope, hopefully that, that brief moment in time, that divine opportunity, maybe we'll see him here. So let's go back. So let each of you not look only at his own interests, but also the interests of others. Can we have the next slide? 
So selfish ambition, vacancy, again, the opposite of humility. Count others more significant than yourself. And you can't do that with any, without humility. Again, me, myself, and I, the, the false trinity is a scary one. Paul knows most of you love yourselves, but try loving others and be more interested. Sacrifice is necessary. Time, money, possessions, prayers. Going the extra mile for somebody will make a huge impact, a world of difference for the kingdom of God. And who knows that this guy that I spent five, six minutes with, who knows what he'll end up? Who knows who he'll bring to church? Who knows that, hey, you know, a random guy, my best friend, asked me to come to this church but 30 plus years ago, and I wasn't interested in God. I wasn't interested in anything. I was interested in, I was interested in girls. But I came to this church, and who knows? And now I'm preaching to you this morning. If I look back at that time, I would have never have thought that to happen. But God, in His infinite wisdom, in His great, great plan, He knows better. So I urge you guys to humble yourselves. Take the example of Jesus and go out and be kind and love one another. Love people. Going an extra mile. Next slide, please. Oh, this is a long passage. Okay. So this long passage is talking about the humility of God, the humility of Jesus Christ particularly. Having the mindset. So this, he uses the mind in this in ESV. But in NIV, I love what he uses. He uses mindset or attitude. Your attitude should be the same that as of Jesus Christ, right? Who through was in the form of God, did not see, uh, did not see equality God, something to be grasped. What this is actually is interesting. When Paul writes this letter, he's actually writing this as a poem. It's, he, he has a letter, and it includes a little section here, 5 through 11, is a poem or a song or something like that that's common and familiar to the people of Philippi. So he actually inserts this into his letter. Everybody should know what it is. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem. If you sang it here, everybody should know what it is. Here, he actually puts this, and this is this wonderful poem that he has. Uh, part of it is Isaiah 45, and the other one is in also in Genesis. And it takes little pieces of each. And then he talks about, in the beginning, God was with man, and they walked like in the Adam and Eve. He grasped, he didn't want, and then the reason that they fell is that he grasped, that man tried to grasp and to be more like God, to, to be like God, to have his eyes open, and he, he fell into sin. And then so in, in replacement of that, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for that sin. And then so in order to do that, he humbled himself. And I like, I like the NIV version as well. Instead of emptying himself, he said it made himself, humbled himself, and made himself nothing. And made himself nothing, becoming a form of a man. So nothing is, it's kind of insulting, right? He, he humbled himself and made himself nothing. And so if God is here, and then we're here, and the angels are right here, we are nothing to him like that. But instead, and that's in the grand scheme of things, he made us himself nothing, but in the same sense, he loves us and we're his precious children, his handiwork, his great creation. But in, in, the, in the comparison difference, we are considered nothing. That tells you how great 
God is. And became, and then here in, and I wish the verses were up here, but he emptied himself, and we use the word in Greek, we call the kenosis, emptying himself. And it's, it's, it's a tricky kind of language. Where he emptied himself, he's still fully God, yet instead of saying that he lost all his powers and he no longer became God, no, he had full authority, he had his full godship, his first full divinity, but he reduced it, or he lessened it. Because if he, if he kept it, then we would go blind. But instead of he removing his, his attributes of his divinity, he added instead. He added his humanness. He added his weakness. We, we know this in, in different parts of the Gospels where, where Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus wept. We know these things. So he added his humanness to this and made himself in the form of man. And, there, and then it says, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In verse, and it's, it's in verse 8. This is called follow-through, something that sometimes we don't do. As, as believers, as Christians, we know the right answer. If a woman crosses the street, we should help her. If, you know, we see a homeless person, like we're going to go feed the homeless this afternoon, we should feed them. These are obvious things that Christians should do. If, if a bully was bullying, bullying this kid, we should, as Christians, as people of God, with the love of God in our lives, Christ in our life, the Holy Spirit living in us, we should do something about it. But for some reason, we're disobedient. We don't take that step. So here, Jesus sets the example once again, that he follows through, Right? He humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He followed through that many of us lack. Make that sacrificial, that sacrifice for one another. And so I want to urge you to take this example. It's to follow through with your convictions, standing firm to them. I know for many of you guys who have been in church for a long time, and some of us have not been, and we're still learning. But for those who have been here at the church who have went to Sunday school, who heard countless of messages, still do not follow through and as obedient as you, you should be. I'm sorry again for being so harsh, but it's the truth. I am as guilty as anybody the same way. Sometimes my feet don't move. Sometimes I make excuses. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I have better things to do. I have more important things to do. These are some of the excuses that we make. I encourage you, don't listen to the evil one, but listen to what it says in the Bible and God's word to go and do these things. And then finally, therefore, God made him highly exalted among, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, which is Jesus that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm summarizing it, yes, I know. But that's the point, that if we do this, if we humble ourselves and we help one another and we love and care for one another like Jesus did, humbling ourselves like Jesus, then we will make his name known. People will look at us and say that you are different somehow in some way. You are different. By the way I act, the way that I talk, the way I drove somebody to, 
I drove somebody to CVS. And might I add that if you're going to sacrifice something, driving somebody is, is huge. I also am a, a recipient of a person's kindness, of someone driving me to church every Friday, whether I wanted to go or not, that he drive me, he would drive me for years. And when he couldn't drive me, he got married or something, and he moved away or moved further away. Then a family stepped in and started driving me every Friday and every Sunday. And when they couldn't do it anymore for some reason, then another person kept on coming. My parents were not driving me to church, but these people, this, these people with, with, with the Holy Spirit living in them, with, with Jesus Christ living in them, they took the time and energy and invested in a small boy. It only takes such, a, such little time. And then he exalted them to every name of the name. And then, and this is the point. This is the goal. This is the goal through our actions and our change of attitude, our Christ-like attitude, our hum- humility. Our goal is for that everybody will know this. And, every, and the more we do this, the more we show God's love, everybody will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. If we follow these steps, hopefully some of us become missionaries in the, in the marketplace or overseas. People will see that. I want to change. Can I have the next slide, please? It's a beautiful song. Expresses Christ's model of humility. The goal is to bring all glory and all people to God. That is our goal. To bring all people and all glory to God. That's our goal. And it's only accomplished through humility and not by force, like Jesus coming on a donkey. He didn't do it by force. He did it through humility, out of his love. That's how he conquered the world, through love. That's how he saved the world, through love. Next slide, please. And I have a few minutes left. And then finally, oh, I have two more passages. Therefore, my beloved, you have always obeyed, and now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. So they're, they're doing this whether he's there or not. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Not work at it, like I have to earn it. This, there's no earning salvation for, here. It's, it's, it's a gift. But here he's talking about, do something about it. I have salvation. I know my, I'm assured of my salvation. Now, knowing that I'm assured of my salvation, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to go out there, and, and, and because I'm so, this is such a precious thing, I'm going to share this thing with other people. This confidence this assurance of my heavenly place next to Jesus. I'm going to share it with other people and do it with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling means because it's not about me. It's not about my works. It's not about my talents. It's not about my gifts or the time I spent necessarily. It's not about me. It's about God using me for his glory, working through me. For it is God who works through in you both will and work for his good pleasure. It says it right there. He assures you of that. It's not me. It's God who does it. Next slide, please, Aubrey. <clears throat> in humility, love one another. In unity and humility, God is working through you. Next one. And this is the final slide. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Why? 
Who wants that? Nobody wants. When you see people fighting in public, does that turn you up or does it turn you down? I'm like, dude, do that at home or something, right? No one wants to see this. And when they see you arguing and then when they see you like grumbling or disputing things, they're just like normal people. There's no change in them, right? There's, there's no transformation in them that comes through the Spirit. They're like everybody else. They're like the world. So why would that matter? And it says here, children of God without, oh, sorry, I guess, uh, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Paul understands that, that it's crooked and twisted back then. And trust me, even now, it's probably even more crooked and twisted. 2,000 years later, even more so. Crooked and twisted generation among whom you, you my disciples, you my followers, the Christ followers, disciples of Jesus, among you who shine like lights in the world of darkness, holding fast to the word of life, meaning that you have the word of life. You're reading God's word like I'm reading God's word, and I'm following. I'm actually taking steps to do it. Holding fast the word of life in my hands so that the day of Christ comes, when Jesus will come swoop down again in the second coming and take all his faithful believers up with him, may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Help us, let us be lights that shine in a dark and crooked world. Help us make a difference in the world for, for his kingdom. And lastly, in conclusion, Jesus Messiah, the conquering king, conquering king riding on a donkey, has done it all through his mercy and through his grace and not by force. We too, through our relationships with one another and our relationships with the secular or the non-believer, through Christ's humility in us, can we bring people to God, point us, if they're looking at us, to point in that direction towards Jesus. Like my favorite character in the Bible, John the Baptist. He was admired by a lot. Everybody wanted to follow this guy, but he's like, man, don't look at me. Jesus is the one who you should be following. Jesus is the one you should be focusing on, uh, not me. I'm not even worthy to, to hold his, his slippers. He is far, far, far greater than I. Only through Christ's humility that we understand from God working in us as we read through his word can people be brought to God to his feet. Let's pray. Father God, it's, it's nothing new that I've said or spoken. These are, these are not new to most of us here. But how difficult it is to, to put these things into action, to let go of our own selfish ambition and our vain conceit, to, to let go of our pride, to let go of our, our, our interests that, that eclipse everything else around us. Help us to seek you first and foremost and seek your kingdom. And then all these things will be given unto you. Help us to, to make these words true of us. So Father God, we just thank you again for this day and this message as we continue to focus upon you this week, this holy week. May we always be thankful 
and in remembering your great sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen.